nurses and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Serial killers, everybody loves to hate them. But is there something going on with their religious background? On today's episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs, our special Halloween 2022 episode, Melissa Spear joins me to discuss serial killers and their religious backgrounds. I also go a little bit more in depth about that one time I actually worked with a serial killer and I told people he was weird and nobody believed me, but he killed over a hundred people. And don't forget to download the movie Bitch Ass, now streaming. It's about a 1999 gang initiation that goes wrong when recruits break into a deadly game house of cinema's first black-masked serial killer. The movie is produced by Jonathan Colum, who is also the Nurses and Hypochondriacs co-producer. Go ahead and support him and the movie Bitch Ass. Please download it. And now for our sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media and the Well-Written Nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Melissa Spires. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh my gosh, so happy to have you here. I love your serial killer episodes on TikTok, which I think are so much fun. I mean, and and then I had a connection to one. How weird is that, right? We'll talk a little bit about it um, as we go on. But tell us about yourself, Melissa. How did you get to doing these serial killer <laughs> episodes on TikTok? You know, it's it was completely random and I'm having so much fun. Um, I am in the middle of writing a, a memoir. I'm actually almost to the end of the first draft. And in the publishing industry right now, which I'm sure you know, um, there is this huge push for... Um, because I'm going the traditional route, you know, I have an agent, I'm going to go to the traditional publishers. I'm not going to do the self-publishing thing. Um, And publishers will not look at writers material unless you have a big following online. And of course, writers generally don't, we just live, you know, in our office and what would we, and so I started seeing all of these authors trying to cultivate a following and they would get onto TikTok or Instagram and they would just be like, well, here I am. Publisher tells me I have to have a following. So I'm going to make some videos. And it's like, oh, joy, I really want to follow you. You know, yeah. like authors just... are the worst. Authors yeah. are the worst. I mean, I've been to so many book uh, readings or, you know, book things where authors will talk about their books. They're the worst. Yeah. It's really, I was just shocked. And, you know, so I would follow. So they, they try to do all this stuff, cultivate following and they'll, they'll follow you. And then I'll either they'll unfollow you or they, they never engage with you or anything. Yeah. And you try to support them and it's just like, whatever. So, so I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to have 
fun. I want to make friends. I want to like yeah. just be. And I, I resisted doing videos for the longest time. And then I just thought, you know, I'm I'm just gonna bust out. And so I'm and I so I mix my vintage clothing with my talking about my memoirs about being raised in a in a fundamentalist Christian cult, the Seventh day Adventist Church. So I talk a lot about, you know, about them. And um so I just started mixing everything together, just throwing it all in a pot. And um then the, so the serial killers, I ended up, I started looking at how many serial killers were Seventh-day Adventists, since that's who I speak out against most. And it was shocking how many I found that there were because the American, the Adventist church is huge. It's like 22 million people, which is actually bigger than the Mormons. But most people in the United States don't even, haven't heard of them. Um, they're very secretive. And um, and most of their uh, church membership is... Uh, outside of the US because they're just aggressive, vicious colonizing missionaries, you know? And um, so their US population is fairly small out of that 22 million. I don't even think there are a million in the United States. So to have like seven or eight serial killers be Adventist was, I was like, wow. And so then I just went down this rabbit hole and I started looking at how many other serial killers had religious backgrounds and, um, you know, everybody, David Koresh is the famous Adventist, you know. Wow. I didn't um I didn't know he was Adventist. He was until he of course went off and started his own cult, right? But he right. he came from the Adventist and he he still kept a lot of their beliefs in his messed up system. But um but I didn't so I I first distinguished between uh mass murderers, like I would call him a mass murderer and serial killers who to me and I, it was just my own definition but to me serial killers are people who personally participate in the killing like their psychology needs that not just like a shooter or a you know but somebody who right you know i have a definition for serial killers Ooh, okay I so you, i sent you some of those links um, yes and so i was looking at some last night so this is the definite did you know that there were no serial killers before the 1980s did you know that there was they coined the term in 1980 I saw that in the article that they coined the term. I mean, some of the serial killers that I would call serial killers anyway, though, that I looked up were in the 1800s. Right, right. And so, but they said that the formal term of serial killer, even yeah. though they happened in the 1800s, the formal term didn't come to be until 1980. Isn't and, that interesting? And they, yeah, it's very interesting. And then they formulated the definition. The theory is, or the definition of a serial killer is, three or more killings and they have to be in different locations in different locations. Like, oh, that's interesting. Like the killings are not connected to each other kind of. Yes. Like, this person will kill one person and then it's not as they're not satiated with that kill. So they right. will go ahead and kill others. Yeah. Which, which I found very interesting. I mean, I yeah. love your series. Maybe you should turn it into a book too. Uh, <laughs> that's why I sent you that research, which is, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, it's very fun. And you know, it's been a funny little sidelight and then we'll, you know, we'll talk more about the serial killers, but the, the funny thing is the reception that my videos have gotten, the different religions have acted differently. So I've, I've, I've called out some Methodists, some Lutherans, the Adventists, a, a bunch of Baptists, uh, which actually I haven't called out the serial killers for Baptists yet, just the 
pastors who murdered their wives yeah. because they were cheating on them type of thing. And then Catholics. And I've done two on Catholic serial killers. So mm-hmm. I have gotten vicious responses from the Adventists, from the Baptists. They are so angry that I would associate their religion with these killers. And and I just must have an ax to grind and I must hate their church. And I must be just an awful person. The Catholics have not said a word. They don't give a rat's ass. It's just hilarious. Because we're all about persecution. I mean, everything in the Catholic religion is about persecuting people. I mean, look at the the whole Spanish, uh, uh, what was it? The Spanish conquistadors that killed oh yeah people. they killed people i mean yeah. killing people the is inquisition. like normal to the cat the inquisition yeah yeah i've been to several i went to um a museum in peru about the inquisition oh my god mm. let's talk about gory you know horrifying <laughs> horrifying yeah you know yeah they tortured people and kill people and they're like well it's just normal for us that's what the catholics think I mean, in the Catholic religion, they even have cannibalism. When, and this is when I was in second grade. I was so oh, confused about, well, let, let's look at this. Oh. You're, you're eating the blood and body of Christ. Is that yes. not cannibalism? Right. And right? I used to be so confused when I was, how old was I? Seven or eight years old and getting my first communion. I was like, mom, I don't understand why am I eating the blood and body of a person? How yeah. confusing is that to a child? This so confusing. I know it's right? so messed up. It's and I so could messed not, up. I just had so much anxiety and there I was bet. just so much weirdness around my um, communion. Cause my brother, my brother, my father wanted me to go to Italy and with the family and have like an Italian communion, you know, Ooh, yeah. would have been much better to tell you the truth because the amount of classwork that we had to do about this, about cannibalism, eating oh, the God. blood and body of Christ, you know, which is just a little wafer. Yeah. It, it just really made no sense to me, but the amount of pressure and, and study and, and, and then yeah. we had to go, conf- Oh, if you do something bad, now you got to go tell this priest about it. Right. Isn't that the weirdest really, I mean, once you really look about it, it's, it's a form of control right? to, to keep you down, yep. you know, and, yep. and it's like, you, it doesn't even really teach you ethics. No, no, <laughs> no. As we're, as we're finding out with all of these serial killers who had a massive religious background. Right? Yeah. So that's why the Catholics are like, we really don't care because that's what Catholic people do. Yeah. It's go all just... over Peru. It's all over the place. The Catholics even built their churches on top of on top of the indians dwellings yes oh we're just gonna build a church we don't care the catholic church church. here in san francisco is literally their their parking lot is on top of an indian burial grave for the the, for all of the natives who built the mission for them and died there and then they just paved right over it because i mean it's amazing it's so shocking yeah, San Juan Capistrano, same thing. Oh God, yes, yep, exactly. That's why the I think that's why the Catholics don't care. Yeah, it's, it's in their religion. It's normal to kill yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I guess you could say good for them for not being hypocritical. The rest of the religions right. are hypocritical. It's all part of their religion too, but they pretend it isn't. 
Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. So Melissa, what is your background? You said you were a screenwriter. Do you yeah. Want to talk a little bit about that and, and sure. how your memoir came to be. And then we'll jump in the whole, and, but first I want to know what you're wearing. Ooh. Okay. So I'll have to maybe stand up here. So it's freezing oh, cold in my, um, in my apartment. So I'm actually wearing an overcoat, <laughs> oh my gosh. but it's a black velvet. Um, it's just from Nordstrom. It's not any famous uh, designer, but it's black velvet. Uh, and it has a little waist tie and I just love it. I mean, it's, it's it. technically a trench raincoat, but who would go out in the rain in velvet? So yeah, I um, love that. I just use it as my like little cozy in the office thing. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I am wearing a part from you cause I am in Palm Springs. This is about an 80 degree day today. And I am wearing a Trina Turk silk caftan and it is 25 year. It's Trina's 25th anniversary. And they celebrated it last week, actually at her flagship uh, shop here in Palm Springs. And I'll, I'll, um, after we talk about you, I'll share my story about how I had a synchronistic moment with uh, Trina's late husband, Jeff. That is, uh, I can't wait to hear that. It's, it's a fun story. I don't think I've really mentioned it on the podcast, but yeah. So let's cool. talk about your screenwriting and how you became a writer and stuff. Yeah, um, I've basically kind of always been a writer of various, you know, I was a freelance writer, not that I could support myself doing it certainly. Um, but, uh, I wrote for magazines for a, a long time and, you know, stuff like the Huffington post and, and whatever. And, um, and then I sort of, I was dating an actor, um, and was sitting on set with, I mean, it was just kind of odd. Um, watching him do his stuff and one of the other actors said you know we need we need to write a screenplay about blah 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 blah. you're a writer you should write it and I was just kind of like uh I'm not that kind of a writer and but then I started taking a class and I found that I absolutely loved it that it's a form that I just really really enjoy and um so I ended up churning out a screenplay that won some little notice in all the contests and everything. And then we just sold it. Um, I took on a co-writer because it's a native American story. And um, he was my uh, absolute, he was my details and my everything. And so he was um, helping me with all of that. And so we just sold it to um, a Canadian production company and we're hoping that it's going to shoot. So I guess it's in develop. What are the, yes, they call it development. Development. Um, and then it goes into pre-production, right? Yeah, and at then least you sold it. That's yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And um, so, uh, and I and I had to do some rewrites because there's a, there's an Oscar-winning actor that's possibly on board. So it's very awesome. exciting. Congratulations. Um, so yeah, it's um. So hopefully I can share more about that on my TikTok and my Instagram yeah. and everything as that comes along. But, so, yeah. but I think the director producer is hoping to shoot it in the summer. It's got a lot of outdoor scenes. So mm. in Canada, I think you have to shoot in yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, um, so there's that. And um, my memoir is about being raised Adventist and um I escaped the religion like literally the day after I graduated from the Adventist high school and um, just thought kind of escape equaled the healing. And I was done, you know, like, oh, I'd, I'd gotten out of it. Sure. 
And I went on with life. And then in my 30s, I found out that someone in my family that was very I was very close to and had admired intensely had been a serial child molester in his, his position for the church. And the Seventh-day Adventist church had enabled him moved it, moved him around, kept, you know, that typical pattern of, you know, blame the women right, and um, just move him somewhere else where of course he repeated the pattern. Right. And um, so that really just shook me to my core, even though I didn't believe in the church anymore and hadn't for decades, but the, the depth of depraved depravity and, and just ick, ick, the whole thing. Um, really sent me on a tailspin. And so I ended up tracking down one of the victims and befriending her. And she is an incredibly strong, brilliant woman. And that just set off for me another decade or so of um, deconstructing then of finally dealing with what the church had done to me that I never had questioned or, and I, and I, obviously I realized that churches are narcissistic systems, right? They are, they are narcissistic abuse. And I had played that out in every relationship in my life, my entire adult life. And, you know, just the misogyny and the everything, I just ended up having to go down to the root. And, um, so that, that's the, um, that's the book and I'm almost done so with cool. it. My agent is, is eagerly <laughs> waiting for it. <laughs> and, That's exciting. Um, yeah. So we'll, uh, I'll hope to have news about that soon too. Yeah, but. And then we'll bring you on again and you could talk about your book. That would yay, be so much yay, yay, yay. That's a promise. On the show. Yeah. Uh, which is so much fun. I, I love it. I love everything you're doing. And that's why I instantly connected with you on TikTok. I don't connect with very many people, a couple, you know, but with yeah. you, I was like, I really like her. You know? <laughs> and then you told the story of, um, yeah, I worked at a, a seven-day Adventist hospital. Yes. I worked in the system. I worked at Glendale Adventist. That was the first hospital I ever worked at. And I, I liked it, you know, um, coming from a Catholic background, I kind of liked the structure, the veganism or the vegetarianism yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, their whole philosophy was very interesting. Uh, I was just like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. You know, I, I kind of liked the structure uh, some of the things that they did only administrate, you can only be an administrator if you were a seven day Adventist. So okay. Cults, yeah. You know? Um, yeah. so I worked at Glendale Adventist for about a year because there was all, a lot of weird stuff happening and we'll get into that. Yeah. And then, um, I went over to white Memorial, which was a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I was working in pediatrics. I mean, I've I'm, been to white uh, Memorial. My dad did a residency always. there. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> funny yeah yeah I I liked it again um I I was there for a while a long time and then I went back and did uh, registry nursing there a lot mm-hmm. um and like I said the system just worked for me I, I felt uh, I've been to a lot of different hospitals and I felt it was very structured and I liked that yeah yeah you know? well they are very well respected their medicine you know their medical school and everything is is very well respected I think yeah, um, I now transfer several patients to Loma Linda. Several of my patients are there. And again, I, I like 
the system. I, I'm okay with it, you know, apart from a lot of other places who seem very disorganized, you know, maybe yeah. because they're too big. So yeah, um, I, I will have to say uh, as a healthcare facility, they do have pretty good structure. Yeah. In my okay. I've worked at a lot of different places. Yeah. So, but yeah, so let's get into the serial killer talk. All and right. so, so again, you said you started with the seven day Adventist, you did it. You, so, so let's talk about, I did. Um, so I need to pull up. I should have had my, uh, document of all of them, uh, up already. And I don't, so I'll pull it up, but, yeah, go ahead. um, you and I were talking about, um, what is his name? Efren? Efren Saldivar. Okay. So I, while yes. you pull up your document, I'll talk a little bit about Efren Saldivar. So I worked with Efren, uh, Efren Saldivar yes. back in 1997. Um, I was a new grad nurse. So I had just finished my associate's degree in nursing and I was working on a very busy ortho neuro med surge floor. That's an insane floor. That's like everything under the sun together, which is in insanity. And at that time, the nursing ratio law in California was not instituted. So they gave you whatever. So at one point I was taking care of like 13 patients by myself and yeah. all of them were post-op or had neuro issues or were restrained and you're giving antibiotics and you're giving um, pain meds and it was insanity. And I worked eight hours, which was equally insane, three to 11 shift, yeah. which is the worst shift ever. And I was only like 24, 25 years old. Yeah. And here is this respiratory. And there was a lot of weird stuff happening there at the time. Yeah. And I would ask about it. Like we would have code blues all the time. Yeah. And especially during the holiday season. And I would say, why are so many people dying during the holidays? Why are we having so many code blues? And I remember the charge nurse saying, well, it's because people usually die at the end of the year. Okay. <laughs> okay. And there's, you know, she never showed me any peer reviewed research of how that came about to be, but I guess yeah. she just made it up. But, but this was happening. Well, in essence, what was happening was this guy, Efren Saldivar, who was a respiratory therapist, was killing these people at that time, right? And Amazing. the reason why he was killing them was yeah. there, there, were, there were various reasons. I was just like reading the articles in the LA Times. One was because um, he needed to lessen the load of his schedule. Okay. Wow. Especially during the holidays. So he would just off people, you know, um, he would give them like a, a respiratory paralytic and he, they would die. Another one that I just read, which is so sad is if people were whining and crying too much, he would off them. He would kill them. Oh my gosh. Is, I did, had not read that before. I was just mortified at reading that. Okay. Oh my um, gosh. So yeah. And, and and what he said was there. So he, he, they likened it in the LA times. There's a really good article. I'll send it to you. And yeah. it's written very beautifully. It's written like a story. Um, and he, they likened it to someone stealing a pack of gum. That's how he felt the crime was like, he quickly forgot about it. Once he killed one person quickly forgot about it. Wow. I think he had DID dissociative identity disorder, which a lot of these um, serial killers do. 
they tend to dissociate and it's due to some trauma that they had in childhood. Yes. So they'll go ahead and try to recreate whatever happened with their victims, which is all very interesting. Yes. So I think that maybe this is what he was trying to do. Also, people that went to high school with him said that he was always the goody goody guy, but then wanted to be bad. And, oh, and interesting. so he, he had, because of probably the seven day Adventist religion, he had to have these standards all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Being perfect. And, and so that's really tough. I've dated a lot of men who uh, were submitted to this perfection. Yeah. That, yeah. And it's really tough. I, I don't think people realize that, you know, yeah. they're having a, a hard time now. For sure. Health issues with that. Cause they're like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be this way, but, and I'm just like, who cares? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I've had to break free from that myself and it's programming. You know, yeah, like, definitely. Like you're doing it and you have to do a lot of reprogramming. I've done hypnotherapy. I've done a lot of self-help work. I've done writing is amazing as you know, yeah, uh, to yeah. kind of reprogram all of that. But with Efren, what I found very interesting was, so uh, I think he confessed to his father and his father told him to, I mean, they had a tip off of, out of someone, the respiratory therapists knew people knew that he was. Yeah. Him. Cause I think you and I talked about this before that the, the, it was kind of being covered up. Like it, it yeah, the, the administrators were covering up his yeah. coworkers knew that this is what he would do. Um, and, and, uh, like people would just die spontaneously. And so, you know, I, I was just reading an article where two respiratory therapists at that time had gone off on their break or were, it was out of work and they were just talking like shooting the shit. And, and they were talking about the patient who just had died. And he's like, Oh, well, don't you know about Efren and his magic syringe? Oh my God. You know, this guy is killing people. And you don't say anything? Oh my gosh. That's just see? oh well, who cares? Well, we know that that and then and then some of the other respiratory therapists were doing it too. Yes. Like, oh okay. my god. I mean, I remember working with this guy, he was so weird. And I go, yeah. that guy is weird. He's creepy. He gives me a weird vibe. And they're like, oh no, he's okay. He's so nice. Oh you know? my God. And, oh. and, and I was just like, what? This happens to me a lot. So I am psychic. You know, I, like I said, I, I was dyslexic as a kid and I've now developed this power of seeing patterns, seeing yeah. synchronicities, and they happen a lot. And I will see things that other people don't, you know, yeah. I can put together things that other people don't, you know? And I'm like, for years, I was like, why doesn't this person see what I'm seeing? Yeah. And I've talked to many people. I mean, this podcast has been pivotal with that as well. Um, and finding out my superpower, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> but it's true, you know, and this happens a lot in my life where I'll be like, you know, I'll have a neighbor, they're acting weird, they're a renter. And I'll be like, that something's wrong with this person, something wrong. And then I'll even call the owner. I go, I think you need to look at, oh, well, they're fine. And they're yeah. saying that you're the troublemaker. Da, da. Okay. Yeah. Go find out they're selling drugs out of there. They're, they've destroyed their unit. You yeah. know, they're not paying rent now for over six months. Okay. You know, they can't get them out of the house. Oh yeah. Uh, do, who do you believe now? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to go just tell, say something about someone 
just because I don't have to <laughs> for that. You know? I get a weird vibe and yeah. it, the vibe does not go away. So with Efren, when he went to court, so I think there was a tip off and then his father had said that he needed to, you know, turn himself in. So he went, yeah. the, um, the police officers went ahead or the detectives, um, interviewed him without an attorney. So he confessed to several of them. So I he killed like over a hundred, right. Wow. And at, yeah. At a couple, like at three different hospitals, I believe, or more. Yes. Uh, and it was about 50 at Glendale Adventist. Yeah. So he went to court and um, guess who his judge was? Oh, judge no. Judge Lance Ito. Oh. <laughs> judge Lance Ito. Who's he famous for? Here's the connection now. O.J. Simpson. So yep. he let O.J. Simpson go, right? He yep. went scot-free. Who knows yep. what the true story is with that, right? Yeah. So with Afrin, he was almost going to go scot-free too. No yeah. way. He was going to let him go scot-free. The only reason, so what was happening was, first of all, the detectives took his testimony without a judge being there, without a, uh, a, right. a, a, an attorney. An attorney, yeah. Right. So then when the attorney was there, the testimony was different, right? Because he dissociates. So right. He doesn't remember. When you dissociate, I've done so much research into DID. It's very fascinating. You get an amnesia. Like, you don't okay. remember. Yeah. All right. And, and so now um, it was very interesting. So that's what was going on with the testimony. The only reason why he was convicted was because one of his victims was still alive. Oh, uh, whoops. What happened? <laughs> yeah. You know? So that's the only reason why he went to prison. Wow. Or, wow. or it says, I'll send you the article. It says Judge Lancito was about to let him go. So I wonder. I'm sure Judge Lancito has a pattern of just letting serial killers or murderers go. Good grief. Isn't that weird? I mean, he's retired now, but yeah. yeah. You know, let's let's yeah. connect the dots there. Wow. Wow. Gonna, I'm gonna send you that article. It's really yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. So, definitely. So that's my whole story. And I even had a patient. I remember on one night I, I had 16 or 13 patients was admitting a page. This one guy, he wasn't doing so great. Um, he was doing okay, you know, and, and I had called my charge nurse and I had called the, the shift supervisor and they had, they were aware I kept charting and charting, you know, um, yeah. we were trying to get him off to an ICU unit, but everything was packed. Mm -hmm. And then there was the respiratory. This is what I remember about that case. Uh, the respiratory therapist had gone in and the guy was dead after. I, I remember I was admitting a patient. I was going to put that guy in the ICU, you know, yeah. got a bed. Finally, I was admitting another patient. I had 13 patients, mind you, all adults, very, very heavy. And the transfer guy comes over to me and he says, your patient's dead. And I was like, what? Good grief. And yeah. Got there and the guy was like, you know, dead in wow. his head. And I was like, how did this guy, do what? The respiratory wow. therapist was just there. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yep. Yep. You know, wow. I call a code and everything and, well, you know, yikes. Yikes. What happens. I, That's you know, terrifying. I just, the light bulb went off in my head. You don't know. I had massive PTSD. I was only 25 years old. That was the first patient that 
actually died that way. And yeah. I kept having these weird dreams because the guy was Italian. Mm. He was in his 80s. He was an yeah. man. And I kept having dreams that he was on the side of my bed going, why did you let me die? Oh, like, God. Oh, God. You fucking. Right? Oh. It was oh. nuts. I mean, I had to go give a depot and the, the attorney was like, they're not suing you. You did everything right. You charted, 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 you yeah. know? And that's but what saved me was my chart. Cause I was trying like literally, you know, we had computer charting and I was on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who went in there, who I called to help me, you know, and, yeah. and it, you know, but it was the, re- it could have been because wow. I, like, I don't understand how he's dead when the respiratory therapist was just in there, why didn't the respiratory therapist come get me and say, Hey, I think something's wrong with this guy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, because yeah. He offed him. <laughs> wow. Wow. Right? This was That's... well over, this is a lot, well over 20 years ago. You know? Yeah. But wow. Holy smoke. But your TikToks helped me to connect those dots in my head. There you go. There you go. How fun. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about some of these serial killers. Who is oh. the most profound that you've found? Okay. Let me get them up here. Um, so Robert Yates, most prolific serial killer in Washington state history. And I don't have the numbers there, but also Dayton Leroy Rogers, who was the Malala forest killer. Some of these I had never heard of before in my life. He killed six women. Um, Kenneth Bianchi, the Hillside Strangler. We've all heard I of heard him. I heard about him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually he had a partner. Tortured. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. tortured by his mother. It's in that article, that dissertation. So he was very yes. abused by his mother. Yes. And so he, the abuse that he got from his mother, he would then go ahead and uh, do it to his um, victims. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I found a lot of, so I did get a bunch of, um, oh, people who were, who pushed back on the serial killers and religion. When I told you about the people who were yeah. defensive of their church, but also people just said, well, duh, most people in the United States have some sort of religious background. So that's no brain trust move. For, and, um, and everybody pointed to what about family abuse and childhood abuse and things there's also a very interesting connection with um, head trauma, early head trauma oh. and a serial killer. So, you know, all of that, I wasn't trying to make a blanket statement, you know, like religion causes serial killers, but it was just interesting. I think so it's when I, um, when I, when people started kind of coming after me with that, I thought, well, I'm just going to look at another demographic then and see if they're almost all religious or not re- uh, religious. So I looked at porn stars. And because I just thought, well, you know, let's start with, and yeah. it was interesting. Almost all of the porn stars that I've researched so far have little to no religious background. So it's, it is very interesting to find how almost all of the serial killers you look at do have religious backgrounds. So there's, there's something there, obviously. Yeah, you need to write something, you need to publish something either in psychology today or a book or something, because I like how you're like, okay, well, fine. I'm a good researcher. Let's look at the porn stars. Huh? There's yeah. no religious background. So there has to be, I think what um, has to do with it is the strictness, you know, yes. of being perfect. Um, because there's something that I found, 
you know, in doing business. So I, I do um, healthcare marketing and I write blogs for clients and I uh-huh. do uh, podcast consultations and I've had some clients who, um, again, it's a pattern that I've seen. I've probably had encountered nine of these people in my life in, in my career time. And, um, they're all moms. They all tend to micromanage. Um, and then they tend to dissociate. And then I found an article on how there's, um, housewives and mothers who are serial killers. That is fascinating. I saw that you'd sent me that link. I want to see that. (laughs) Yeah. So they tend to dissociate and, um, they don't remember what they've said or what they've done. And I, Um, and I'm having a meeting with these type, this personality type. And all of a sudden they don't remember what they've told me and they're starting to treat me like I'm an assistant instead of I'm doing their consultation for them and I'm writing a blog for them. And I go, it clearly states in my contract. And so I have to say it nicely, but then what happens over time is they get more and more and more aggressive. And and so I have to politely, and I, and I, I had like probably 20 emails from one person and I had to show it to a, a, a friend of mine. I was very disturbed, yeah. you know, cause I was like, I got to figure out what's going on here. Cause this is, this has happened before. Is it my trauma? Cause I grew up with an entrepreneur mom yeah. who would have some aggressive clients sometimes, you know, yeah. that would throw, I mean, my mother was a seamstress. So she would, uh, this is, here is the connection with you as well with fashion, and, and she would custom make uh, clothing, you know, she's yeah. a great copycat artist. And, and, and some of these women would come and they have no fashion sense. And they would be very, all of a sudden start to micromanage and oh start to get aggressive and aggressive and aggressive. So I, after this last client, I, I sat down with my mom. We were like at the park, we were on the swings. It was real fun. Okay. I, go, I go, I just need to tell you about this client that I had. And, and we talked about what happened. And she's like, she goes, I know, I know. She goes, sometimes those people, you just got to let them go. And, and that's what I Ooh. do with these people. I said, I can't work with you. This is not working yeah. out. Goodbye. Yeah. You know? And they continue to send these emails. It's, it's yeah. really creepy. Of course. And, right. Yeah. It's like something's not right. And like I said, I had to show these emails to a friend and he used to own a gym here in Palm Springs. And he's like, oh no, she's, she's crazy, you know, yeah. I'm always like, if it's me, you know, I'll take accountability and stuff, but transactions should just be easy. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. so it's like, even with us, I was like, okay, what did I do? I was like, let's, and it was pretty good. I was like, yeah, this is cool. Laid back, you know, I'm yeah. um, not sending you 500 text messages or emails. Like, wait, are you, are the, what do you do? Da, da, da. <laughs> these women want to be perfect and they're somewhere inside of them like they've had some type of imperfection within themselves uh that they're trying to correct or maybe they grew up in a very a a lot of these women i can tell some of them were from the south um and 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 so i think they grew up with very strict upbringings yeah to be ultra perfect yep so they don't you know and, and so these micromanaging moms what i read which is very interesting they want their children to be perfect. Because oh my God. Yeah. Children are imperfect. Well, it's going to reflect badly on them. Yeah. You know? So they start doing this with people, but it's an unconscious thing. And I was like, this is so fast. I'm going to write about it. It's so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and stuff, but it, I just was like, you know, it, it's real interesting that I came up with, but yeah, yeah. for so, sure. For sure. 
So the Hillside Strangler, like, what did he do? I mean, I didn't read too much about him. I know that one. I, I wish I had on some of these. I took good notes and on him, for some reason, I didn't. I just have that. Um, uh, he had a partner and they were there in L.A., I believe. And wow. um they they were very twisted um they would abduct women they they um i i believe that this is that they had a police car that they had bought at auction or something and they dressed up like police and they would pull women over or or collect them for and and young women who just believed them and didn't and um would get in the car and they would tell them that they made some sort of crime and then they would um, just, oh it, it was torture and I mean, just evil, evil stuff. That's so crazy. Yeah. So some of the, let's talk about the Baptists. Yes. So, so that was a funny one. So people started writing to me after I did, I'd done the Seventh-day Adventists and I'd done the um, uh, Catholics, a couple series on the Catholics and people kept writing and saying, do the Southern Baptist, do the Southern Baptist. And I was like, wow, okay, there must be something here that I don't know about. So I started looking and I actually couldn't find, I don't know that I've found any, there are a couple of serial killers who were designated as Baptist, but I don't know. I couldn't figure out the Southern versus the regular Baptist. So, but what I did find was literally just a five minute Google search. Like I didn't even have to go to page two on Google. I found at least half a dozen Southern Baptist pastors who were involved in crimes, mostly over infidelity. Um, Most of them were killing their wives so that they could go off with their lover. Mm. Um, Occasionally they were killing men that they suspected their wives of cheating with. And I found one pastor's wife who actually killed the pastor because she was having an affair, but overwhelmingly it was these pastors killing their wives. There was one, which I haven't done a video um, about. Let me pull this up. Uh, I haven't done this video or I haven't posted this video yet, but there is a guy, Pastor Tracy Burleson from Texas. He and his son were having an affair with the same woman. And so he paid the son to kill his wife, which was the son's stepmother. And then the girlfriend of both of them, I, I'm not sure which one of them ended up with the girlfriend. <laughs> I think the pastor did, but she was involved in the cover-up or something. I mean, it's just, it's wacky. You can't make this yeah. stuff up. Yeah. Um, but there's, um, let me see, I can just run through a few. So there's a, a guy from Waco, Texas, Pastor Matt Baker. He killed his wife and then ran to his girlfriend and told her that he did it for her. And um, there's Pastor Scott Harper from Georgia. Um, He and his lover murdered her husband, um, and they both ended up getting life in jail. Um, There's a guy named Pastor Edmund Lopez. He was a Southern Baptist, but he was in Washington State. And he claimed to have killed 28 people, uh, and then he was redeemed. But it ended up being a lie. But he did actually kill his wife, and and, and he attempted to kill his girlfriend. Oh, my gosh. I know. And it just, it just goes on. So the one woman I found, Cindy Reese. um, Oh no, she, she, she was a minister. Also, she was the minister of music at Sardis Baptist church in Alabama. 
And she murdered her husband together with her lover, who was the pastor of the church. His name was Jeffrey Brown. And they suspect that she possibly murdered her first husband as well. Um, And it just, it goes on and on and on. Just literally, uh, probably 10 or 12 of just, just in a little teeny search. Yeah. So why do you think these people, what comes over these people that they're um, killing these people? I think they're in this rage or they go into this yeah psychological you know, thing where they they don't know they disassociate and they just kind of i guess so some of it's so premeditated though you know like the guy who paid his son to go do it um you know that's uh you know i i do think a lot of it has to do with the religion even though <laughs> people don't like to hear me say that but um i think especially divorce is so frowned on in so many religions that somehow in their brains, just eliminating the person is better than the public shame of divorce. They'd maybe lose their pastorship if they got divorced or something. I don't know, but they end up in jail. I used to live next to these neighbors and they were uh, born again Christians. They used to fight with uh, Bible verses to each other. (laughs) I'm not, I can't make that up. I cannot make oh, that up. My God, One that day, is priceless. I, I was, I was listening to them and they had the, the door open in the back. So I went like, we, um, we have adjoining back patios. Like there's a fence, but you can hear if the door is open. So I went outside and I was like, am I hearing what I'm hearing? And that um, is oh yeah, amazing. they were fighting with Bible verses. I and you are not righteous. And I guess someone was cheating on okay. someone. They were young, but yeah. one of my neighbors kept saying, "She goes, I think they're swingers." And it could have been. Oh, could have been. been. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on the outside, they were uber perfect. Right, you know? of course. And it was, it was interesting to see their demise because they they were there for like seven years or whatever. And they came in as this perfect couple with the perfect two kids, the, the football player and the ballerina. And I remember when they talked to them and this is how I knew they're like, hi, like oh, high talkers, you know, like <laughs> oh, they're in yep. the Truman show. Hi, uh-huh. heard about you. I was yeah. like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, here we go. You know, and they were bizarre people. And then in the end, the son, like he turns into this drug addict and the kid, the, the girl, the ballerina is now wearing hoochie shorts and weird men are picking her up, you know? And, and so I'm go. like, oh yes, I'm, I'm the bad one. Sure. Right. Right. You know, exactly. Over time, this demise, you know, yeah. how, I think it's this, this, these people are just trying to be too perfect. You yeah. Know? I, you know, and yeah. I'm always myself. I think I get dinged all the time because, you know, I'm always myself. Sometimes like here in Palm Springs, I mean, this is crazy. Like I have to take the trash out and I'm all, oh shit, I didn't take the trash out. And I'm in my pajamas, like my little hoochie shorts. There you go. And I'm just like going out and dumping the trash and then running back inside. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Totally. My are the most awesomest people around, you know, and nobody yep. cares. And nobody's like, Ursilia, I saw you with your underwear on running yeah. out for the trash. No, they're like, oh, there goes Ursilia again. <laughs> right, exactly. Forgot to take out the trash. Totally. Yeah. And it's kind of, but nobody says it because I'll do it on purpose. I'm like, 
wonder if anybody's going to say, nobody, ca- nobody cares. Nobody cares. I know. You know? Yeah. And I'll it's, just, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know, yeah. but in certain areas, like my other home, people will point weird shit out. They're like, you're so lucky you don't have children. You're so like, or, or look at you and your career. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. People's jealousies or whatever are very bizarre, very bizarre, odd. bizarre, yeah. you know, and it, it's just because they can't be who their true self. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good analysis. Yeah. You know, for sure. So that's my opinion. So let's yep. talk about some of the synchronicities you've been having. Cause you mentioned a little bit, you were seeing yeah. numbers. Yeah, I do. I, um, I see the same number just randomly, like looking at the clock every day. And it happens to be the, um, the same time that my first child was born. I love that. Um, which I just love. And so I, plus it's also a half of the devil's number. It's three, three, three. And I just love that. <laughs> so uh, well, that's course, actually a I'm, good a three, three, three is actually a good number because oh, law of threes, you know, yes, happens yeah. in threes. Um, and I teach that in my storytelling class, like the whole law of threes and that there's something to that, you know, I just love it. I've just totally taken to the number now and just, um, it speaks to me somehow. And I, and I see it everywhere. Oh my God. I I just saw 12, 22 right now. One, two, two, 12, 22 on my clock. There There you go. (laughs) Yeah. As we're talking about sync. So yeah. Yeah are again I, I mentioned a little bit uh your conscious and your subconscious mind lining up to bring you uh to bring your manifestation in and you can really work on that and uh it enhances your telepathic skills as well right okay yeah so um like you being on this show is no coincidence because you were already starting to do these um serial killer tiktoks right. and yeah. now you're doing it on my podcast and who knows, I, I got the download that I think you should do a, um, a YouTube series. Oh, interesting. And getting more in detail. And I will, and I love the fashion and this is what I'm going to do. You remember like, uh, Elvira mistress of the dark. Yes. So kind of like that, but Elvira is a bite. Um, and after I used to love Elvira when I was younger, but as soon as I found out, I don't know if you've ever heard of Vampira. I've heard of her, but I don't know that I would know anything about her. Or, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, her story is so good and very tragic. Um, so Vampira is the original Elvira. Okay. And I went to a book signing of a guy who wrote this um, biography of uh, Vampira. And so she, um, I forget her name. Uh, she, I don't know if she's an immigrant or the daughter of immigrant parents, but what she did, cause it was like, I think in the 1950s, she would put meat tenderizer on her waist to get that hourglass very, very small. Wow. And she would just really saran wrap and tighten her waist. So if you look at her waist, she yeah. got it to look like that, you know, Wow, so it's, it's really interesting. So she has a very, very slim waist, you know, yeah. and then the bigger hips, right? So she created this um, persona, Vampira, 
right? Yeah. And she used to do these cult movies. And, and then I, I think the movie studios had hired her on and she was dating, um, what's his name? Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, James, James Dean. Dean. Mm-hmm. So she was dating James Dean for a bit and they blame her for James Dean's death. Oh, my gosh. Cursed him somehow. And oh, so my she- gosh. By the way, have you ever been out to his death spot? Another no. a, a funny where, little synchronicity where, that we're where did he die? He died um in the Central Valley between um like just sort of east of he was driving, I guess, from LA to um uh I don't know, but it's it's east of um god damn um oh, god it's why am I not curious. able oh so, uh, San Luis Obispo. Ah. It's it's just out into the and it's it's just this dusty corner where two roads converge and he just took the corner too fast and flipped his car and fans have set up the most bizarre. I stop there every time I'm driving through Southern California. I don't know why, but I always just feel I'm not even a big James Dean fan, but there's something that you can feel there. That's really, it's probably a portal. There you go. It's really interesting. And fans have put, I mean, they're like bras and boxer shorts and like, like crumpled <laughs> beer cans. And like, every time you stop, you go, who's thinking that this is a yeah. tribute to this man, but it's so interesting to see what people put there. And yeah. it just has a funky feeling, but anyway, sorry, I interrupted, yeah. but it's just no, weird no, that you, no, you brought think, that up. Yeah. I think that, um, I think there's probably a portal there. His death was just very weird. I mean, some people believe he died. Some people don't, I mean, who yeah. knows, but there, yeah. there probably is a portal. So she was blamed for this. And then so they created, she created this persona and then it, it, they sideswiped her and stole that persona and gave it to Elvira oh and kind of, cause she was doing that whole mistress of the dark type of thing, uh, with the movie macabre and they just pushed her out and she died this, like, she was like that old lady with cats kind of thing oh, became a recluse. Yeah. Um, but then I guess towards the end of her life, she became like a cult within the, uh, gay community, like the, a cult oh, favorite where she yes. was performing at certain gay nightclubs. Yeah. The cult following and stuff, but she was just, she died like alone and with her cats in a small little apartment. It was really sad. Oh. It's a sad story, oh. but it's interesting how, um, she goes through, it's, it's a great, do- uh, biography. I'll send you the name of the author. Cause I really like his and there's pictures yeah. Yeah. And really detailed. And he spent a lot of time collecting this information. And I spoke to him on why he wrote the book. Uh, and I had, I never knew about her. I just yeah. got invited to this book signing from the guy's editor who was my friend. Yeah. And I, I just, she just, I, I was so fascinated by her. I think there's been some movies made about her. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to Google her. How fun. Vampira, yes. But I think you'll really like her. Um, yeah. but yeah, I see you doing like a, a YouTube show. Um, but you know, but very well done and with your fashion and, and kind of going through one person at a time. And, and that will build up your channel, I think pretty quickly. So that is very interesting. I hadn't thought of branching out into YouTube. Yeah. Because yeah, because TikTok, you just can't do can't get into debt in depth, you know, you have to just it's just little teeny snippets. So um, that's, that's true. That would be the place to be able to really dig and really go through the details because there are always weird details, particularly in their childhoods and stuff that contributed to what they did. 
Right, right. Kind of getting into like some peer-reviewed research and putting mm-hmm. it together and, and stuff and maybe doing like more, you know, getting the um, articles that are still online and, yeah. and yeah. something together um, and stuff. But something to look at. I, I can totally see yes. that. That's how you're living lean up. But yeah, so many great things happening. I just want to ask one question. You know, there's serial killers are so popular and I don't know why. Oh, yes. You know, why do you think so many housewives or females love to watch serial killer content? Like we have the Jeffrey Dahmer on Netflix now. Yeah. But why do they love, do you think, serial killer and crime stuff? I, I, not my thing, really. You know, I have given it because I do. I mean, obviously I've, I've started investigating it, but I, I do. I watch the crime shows. I'm not a television person at all, but I watch the crime shows, the true crime shows. So it's serial killers and it's whatever else, you know, but, um, and I don't know why I couldn't tell you why I find it fascinating. I couldn't tell you why, but I mean, it has, you're right. It's become almost like a meme that women watch true crime shows. It's really, it's a thing. And uh, it was I don't know by um, Saturday Night Live did a parody on it. I mean, there's <laughs> an, somebody wrote an article on why, you know, so yeah, say it's comfort. I've asked these women, I was like, why do you watch them? They're like, it comforts me. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know that I find it comforting. I, um, it's so funny because I'm like you, I'm a, I'm a compulsive reader and I love fiction, but I won't watch. And it's funny for a screenwriter, of course, but I don't like to watch uh, scripted things. I, I feel like it's wasting my time to watch something pretend, you know? And so I watch real stuff. Um, and I don't know, I couldn't tell you why I find it, but I find it relaxing. It just takes me right out of my brain, right out of all of everything. It's fascinating. It unfolds pretty quickly. And um, I don't know. So interesting. <laughs> I um, I used to be into cults. Like I loved cults. Uh, and, and it was just because I was trying to understand uh, yeah. why, how a cult worked, why people would join the cults, um, you know, what the whole cult mentality was. Yeah. Once I figured it out, I was just like, you're not really that interested anymore because they're all kind of the same. They are all the same. It's not so, so, tragic. Yeah. It's like the same script over and over again. And yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to share my synchronicity fashion story that I there have with, um, with Trina Turk's husband. So uh, a few years ago, uh, Trina Turk's husband was a photographer. I think his name is Jeff. And he used to have like, the most awesomest Instagram uh, stuff. Yeah, account. Uh, yeah. He had all these beautiful men that he would give bathing suits to because he was a swimmer. Oh, cool. And he would give these bathing suits to these men and just photograph them. Right? Yeah. Very beautiful. And he was like, a, he did, he said, he did surfing. He did uh, body surfing, right? Yeah. So he out the beach a lot. And he was, had a swim club went to a swim club and stuff so yeah uh, I was following his um Instagram and a couple of my friends had told me to follow it and I was and I would get obsessed about uh Trina and her husband Jeff because they were like this it couple yeah totally their their origin story was great they went to um, design school together and that's where they met and um, you know, and they kind of helped each other along the way, create this brand, um, yeah. the Trina Turk brand. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I was like, oh, and, and so they have, they also have these mid-century modern homes in Los Angeles and here in Palm Springs. And they had these parties. I was like, oh, I, I was always trying to get invited to, right. these yeah. these, you know, followers of them and, and stuff. And I guess you could say it's kind of like cult. And I was like, oh, I so want to go, you know, they just look like so cool and yeah. fashion in there, you know? And so one day, I was doing a podcast. This was a couple of years ago in Pasadena and I couldn't get into the location I needed to go to. And I parked across the street from this park and I didn't know why I was where I was and my guest didn't show up. And then my other guest couldn't make it. She we were going to zoom her in and just, it just became very weird. And I see this man across the street. Well, this is how the story goes. Before this, I had gone on a date with the guy and he asked me, well, what is it that you're really, what's your ultimate like relationship look like? And I go, I want to be this power couple. Like, and I showed him the picture of like Trina Turk and her husband, Jack, I want to be like them. And, and uh, I go, they just look so cool. And he looked at the picture. He's like, oh yeah, they do look, I want to be their friend too. I go, I want it. This is what I want (laughs) in my relationship. I want that awesome, cool man, you know? Yeah. Uh, And that we're just going to be this cool power couple with. And so, and then again, a couple of days after this date, I end up going to, um, you know, doing this podcast and it was just weird. It was in a weird place in Pasadena and it was across the street from a park. And I see this man walking across the street and he's wearing these Argyle type pants. Yeah. Very tall and he has a beard. He's wearing these cold bottle glasses, these huge funky glasses that he used to wear. And he was carrying a lamp and I was like, that guy looks familiar. I'm going to follow him. And I start following him and he goes and all of a sudden he ends up at a photo shoot. There's a photo shoot going on. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's Mr. Turk. Yeah. <laughs> that's his line. They, they have a man, a male line and it's called yeah. Mr. Turk. And oh my God. And yeah. Him. I had, that. I had, I had manifested Mr. Turk. I was there like, you go. That's I, amazing. So a few friends uh, had known the story and we had watched his Instagram and stuff. And a couple months after that incident, he ends up dying in Hawaii. He was 55 years old. He broke his spine. It's so sad. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He was um, body surfing and he broke his spine. Yeah, but it was such a, a neat story because then my friend was like, did you hear what happened to Mr. Trey? It was like as if he was her friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh. um, it was just horrible. And I remember at the store, they had one of the mannequins all dressed in black too. It's, oh. it's just, I mean, I was just beside myself with all of that and how that sync all happened. And I, I was oh. just like, oh, so wild. A lot of times it's like, it's a screenplay that's happening and unfolding, you know, just like um, in Stranger Than Fiction, which is one of my favorite movies. And I teach from Stranger Than Fiction, um, how your life just kind of unfolds with those things. So yeah, yeah, that is cool. cool. Well, I can't wait until your book comes out. Definitely, we'll definitely have you back talking Would, about purity culture, which yes, that's a whole other story there. Yeah, more into that. Anything you'd like to add? Where can people find you on TikTok? Um, yeah, I am on TikTok as the Glory Hole with a W H O L E, and um, it's just all run together. And then on Instagram, I am the dot glory dot hole. 
Um, And again, W-H-O-L-E. And um, so all of my little updates and everything will be there. Cool. Well, so amazing to have you on, Melissa. And like I said, I look forward to having you on again and reading your book. Thank you so much. I will be here. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Until next time, nurses. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we'd love it if you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It totally helps us out. And uh, go ahead and throw us some bucks. Our links to PayPal and Venmo are on our show notes. Thanks again. Thanks again.